What's going on? Welcome to the program. Thanks for listening to the podcast. You can subscribe, by the way, at all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Uh, as I mentioned yesterday, we are now up on the Google uh, platforms. Oh, I'm sorry. No, we're on iHeartRadio. Yeah, we're on the iHeartRadio app now. <laughs> We've been on Google for a while. iTunes was first. Uh, so you can go to thepetecalendarshow.com and uh, find your favorite podcasting platform and then uh, do us a favor and subscribe. You can also join the Facebook group called The Pete Calendar Show. Uh, you can also uh, head on over to the Patreon page where uh, you can uh, make direct financial support to the program. And, uh, you know, folks who have done that have uh, helped uh, launch the program here. We've gotten uh, uh, the mixing boards. Now I can actually do the program because they locked down the entire radio station uh, where I had initially started doing some of the recordings, but all of that's now on lockdown. So uh, because of the support of patrons, we are able to continue to do the show. Uh, so folks like Ron and uh, let's see, Becky and Nick and I think I've read everybody's name, Meredith and Eric. Thank you very much for your support. Uh, folks also have, uh, you should have received your bumper stickers by now. We've got another round to do this weekend. Christy and I, we've got another round of bumper stickers to mail out. And uh, so now it's a, it's a, it's a lot easier for us because when we first started, it was a bit overwhelming. We had a lot of mail to send out, but uh, we do appreciate everybody is uh, everyone's support. Also, the program is made possible by folks like Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team who uh, they've been advertising with me for years when I had the radio show in the afternoon here in Asheville. Uh, she was the very first advertiser that took a chance on me back in 2012. Uh, I had no endorsements, no uh, clients at that point, and uh, she was the first, and she's been with me uh, low these many years. And look, everybody understands that uh, right now all of this coronavirus stuff has impacted uh, us all in, in many different ways, and maybe you feel like you need to sell your house and you've been thinking, well, we can't even hold an open house right now, right? Like, what do you do? Well, Rowena Patton has offered walking tour videos of homes since 2007. She's been doing this on every listing, just like the real thing, meaning your buyers can tour your house without having to leave their homes. So you can start out with a video consult with Rowena Patton. All you got to do is give her a call at 333-4483 or go to her website, mountainhomehunt.com, 333-4483, mountainhomehunt.com, and start packing. So uh, a couple things here. The Asheville City Council approved uh, expanded powers for the mayor, Mayor Esther Mannheimer. <clears throat> this was a unanimous vote. By the Asheville City Council, um, they adopted an ordinance delegating additional authority to the mayor. This would allow the mayor to issue regulations by proclamation as necessary, according to WLOS's story at WLOS.com. The ordinances authorized by this particular section of state law may permit prohibitions and restrictions, including but not limited to. You're going to hear that language a lot today. Including but not limited to, right? That's lawyer talk. Uh, so things that the mayor could, and I stress could, not that this is occurring right now, but the mayor could do things like, for example, impose a curfew. 
directing and compelling the voluntary or mandatory evacuation of all or part of the population from any stricken or threatened area within the governing body's jurisdiction. This is all, by the way, according to the statute. Okay, So not that there's anything right now that seems to indicate we may need to evacuate parts of the city or we may need to impose a curfew or anything like that. Just this is what the mayor is empowered to do under this law now that the council has has given her this expanded power. Uh, All right, so impose a curfew, evacuate parts of the city. What else? Prescribing routes, modes of transportation, and destinations in connection with evacuation. Okay, so that makes sense. Like we're going to, the mayor's going to announce the the designation of this particular corridor to move everybody out. Okay. Um, Controlling ingress and egress of an emergency area and the movement of persons within that area. Earlier in the day, Buncombe County officials announced that they were drafting a stay-at-home ordinance in an effort to stop the spread of COVID-19. I'll get to that in a second. They also, at the city council meeting, uh, got a presentation on the One Buncombe Fund. This would support uh, individuals and small businesses, small businesses being defined as those with fewer than 50 employees. Uh, The idea here is this One Buncombe Fund would help those people and small businesses uh, via the local government uh, and uh, they're going to be, you know, collecting grant money, raising money and sort of uh, uh, getting uh, donations from the various government entities that are participating. So, for example, Asheville City Council is looking to give uh, $100,000, 100K. So really uh, breaking the bank there. Um, So Dr. Jennifer Mullendor, Buncombe County Interim Public Health Director, announced now a dozen positive cases of COVID-19 in county residents. Four cases are tied to out-of-state residents in Buncombe County, uh, but more positive results are expected. This is what you get when you have increased testing, right? The more testing that you have, the more you realize there are are positive results. Cases and the more positive cases you have, the more we can freak out that the numbers are going up. Look, the numbers are going to go up, and this is the week it's going to happen. It's going to start, I should say. This is the week it's going to start. The trajectory is going to launch. You see it happening in New York City. It's already uh, happened. We were on, I think, Seattle. This is according to um, the president's uh, uh, coronavirus coordinator, the response coordinator, Dr. Burks, she was talking about the the curves, the different curves, and like one curve is uh, Washington State. They were the first curve in America, the bell curve, right? You see the spike of cases, the leveling off, and hopefully, you know, the, the we'll start seeing fewer cases, and that's the downside of that bell curve. Look, uh, and, and internationally, the original curves were China and South Korea, so, uh, everybody's at different places in uh, with their with their own curves, and that means different states and different communities. <clears throat> which, by the way, is a good thing, because if you can spread all of these curves out, which is basically you know you're spreading the the areas of infection. If you can spread them all out, then it allows the healthcare system to uh, divert resources to the areas that most need them at any given point in time. 
the the issue this is the whole flattening the curve argument is the issue has been that if they all come in at once and everybody gets deathly sick all at once including all of the people that just normally get sick then you have a real epidemic on our hands because uh they're not going to be able they're going to be overwhelming the system there's just not going to be enough personnel equipment bed space it's just not going to be enough to house everybody and people will then die from whatever ailments they may have uh, whether it's COVID-19 or not, right? So um, we're all in different parts of the curve. North Carolina looks like it's now starting, uh, the, the number of cases is now going up. And I've seen people asking, like, for example, I mentioned this the other day that the Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians, they had closed uh, um, um, the roads going into the reservation, going into their land. Uh, they've now, con- they've limited access to, uh a couple of the roads, and I saw uh, somebody on the Facebook group posted up a picture of it, uh, and yeah, like that, that. I think that was one of the roads that goes onto their lands, and so that's yeah, they're they're shutting it down. That's what um, they said they were going to be doing. We should expect to see more of that, I imagine. Um, I don't like it either, but I understand why it's done. Although with the Blue Ridge Parkway, I'm kind of confused on that one (laughs) they closed sections of the blue ridge parkway in order to contain the virus but as i understand it right that and maybe i'm maybe i'm just wrong on this but i I didn't think that the virus was known to just drive up and down the parkway looking at the trees and such and the scenery i wasn't aware maybe that is what the covid19 does i'm not sure i have not read its bio in depth um so people are asking though how much power do these local officials and state officials, how much power do they actually have to do the things that they're saying uh, we should do? So David French had a write-up at the Dispatch about this. He's a lawyer, and uh, he says, here are the short answers. That first, yes, states do have the power to order closures in the face of a known deadly pandemic. The closures are coming from governors because the governors have the relevant legal authority. This is uh, Let me uh, hang on. Let me finish what he says here. No state closings, he says, are not evidence that the president is failing. They represent federalism at work. Exactly. And finally, he says closed businesses are likely not due any compensation, though the government can choose to provide relief, at least so long as the closures don't last too long. Now, what is too long? That's subjective. But the governors do have this authority. It is not up to the president to do this, which is, this is sort of an amazing turn of events in that we had all these people who for the last three years have been screaming that Donald Trump is a fascist tyrant, right? That he's Hitler reincarnated. And then they turn around and say that Trump needs to be shutting down the entire economy and putting restrictions in place and and limiting people's freedoms and such. Like, I'm not clear... Wouldn't that be the kind of tyrannical, fascistic behavior you were warning us to be on guard against with this guy, but now you want him to do these things? It's very, it's all very (laughs) through the looking glass here. Um, So the governors do have this ability to do these things, as they should, and it should not come from the federal government. As uh, David French notes, this is federalism. And maybe, maybe, fingers crossed, this gives a lot of folks who might not have been too clear on what federalism looks like, maybe this gives them an idea of what federalism is all about. You have these state governments 
They are the wellspring of authority when it comes to, they were the ones that created the federal government in the first place. So yes, they're the ones that are going to be closest, uh, you know, to the local impacts. And so they're going to be able to make these types of decisions. That doesn't mean there's no role for the federal government, of course, which is why, you know, Governor Cooper keeps blaming the federal government for not giving him everything he wants right away. So there's going to be this, you know, natural tendency cooper's going to do it all all the governors are going to do it probably in a bipartisan fashion they're all going to blame the federal government for whatever failings there were at the state level and then they're going to claim credit for all of the things that the state did well right that's (laughs) that's what they're going to do this should be expected okay over at the american enterprise institute jay cost uh put up a thread on twitter talking about the difference uh, between police power versus enumerated powers. He says a, a governor backed by a state legislature has the sovereign power to make you go home if you are a menace to public health. President Trump does not have that power. So governors have broad latitude to order curfews, close businesses, and limit public gatherings. Okay, so there is authority at the state level to do these sorts of things. Uh, It's almost certainly the case that for now, governments can order businesses to close without compensating the owners under the Fifth Amendment's takings clause. This is the other component here is if you order states or sorry, if the state orders businesses to close, do they owe them any money? In Lucas versus South Carolina Coastal Council, uh, Supreme Court ruled that regulations that deprived the landowner of all economically viable use of his land constituted a taking. And so they had to pay. Okay, this, the Coastal Council had to pay this guy. But in another case, Tahoe Sierra Preservation Council versus Tahoe Regional Planning Agency. <laughs> the battle of the bureaucrats. Um, the court refused. <laughs> sorry, the uh, <clears throat> excuse me. The court refused to order compensation for a landowner who faced a 32-month development moratorium. Logically, it said that the land cannot be rendered valueless by a temporary prohibition on economic use. Okay, so this was a 32-month, almost three years, development moratorium, and so the Supreme Court said, well, no, because they put a a time limit on it. This is why, by the way, if you recall the hotel moratorium that the city of Asheville passed was for one year. And one of the things the Asheville City Council kept talking about and was being advised by lawyers is that you can't just make it permanent. You can't just be open-ended. You have to put a fixed end. Uh, it's got to be for a limited time and a, and, and a, and a focus, a, a, a purpose. And so it can't just be an open-ended ban on all hotel development. This is so you don't run afoul of the Constitution and the Fifth Amendment, the takings clause. So uh, they said logically that the land can't be valueless if it's just a temporary prohibition, okay, because the property will recover value as soon as the prohibition is lifted. However, that case should not be read as an absolute prohibition against compensation, even for a temporary taking. Right? The majority on the Supreme Court indicated that it did not intend to impose an absolute rule. The composition of the court has changed substantially since 2002, and the Rehnquist, Scalia, Thomas dissent could easily become the foundation of a new majority opinion. So that might not hold anymore. There might be some lawsuits that come out of this, and the new court 
uh, because the the conservatives on the court, Rehnquist, Scalia, and Thomas, they dissented from the majority, more liberal ruling. And so they may, the Supreme Court may turn around and if they hear some, a new case like this, they may overturn that earlier ruling or may carve out some other area as lawyers with robes tend to do. In fact, David French writes, the outcome of any quest for compensation would likely track the prospects of a First Amendment claim. Temporary measures taken now at the onset of the crisis are likely to get a great deal of judicial deference, but that deference is likely to decline if draconian measures remain in place, even as the crisis eases. As Americans hunker down and attempt to flatten the curve, he says, um, the police power of the states is the, uh, is the government authority most likely to immediately impact your life, and that police power for now is at or near its apex. All eyes may turn to Trump, but if you're, uh, but it's your statehouse. That's the first line of local defense, and that's exactly how the nation was designed. Until Trump takes over. Until the tyrant takes over. <laughs> as we want him to. As we're demanding he do. And then when he takes over, then we'll criticize him for taking over as the tyrant, right? So Buncombe County Emergency Management, they're looking to craft, and may, uh, by the way, have already done so by the time this uh, podcast uh, goes live and you hear it. Uh, they may have already instituted this, but Buncombe County Emergency Management is looking at a shelter-in-place or a stay-at-home proclamation. Mecklenburg County uh, has already issued one of these. It takes effect uh, to, 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 to 8 a.m. Thursday. So that would be Thursday the 26th. And according to officials, the proclamation means that people can go outside and go for a walk, you can go to the grocery store, you can go to the doctor, you can do other essential things, go to other essential places, but you got to stay at least six feet away from other people. Which, by the way, I was out at a grocery store, I was out at an Ingalls yesterday, and um, first off, again, thank you to everybody working at the grocery stores at Ingalls, uh, stocking shelves and, you know, running the checkout lanes and... Uh, I mean, it's just incredibly stressful and uh, anxious times. People that are normally rude and <laughs> inconsiderate are even more so because these are customers that are now, you know, with heightened anxiety, <clears throat> thinking that that's the last pack of ramen noodles that they will ever see. So thank you very much uh, for all that you guys have been doing. I appreciate it. My wife appreciates it. And I'm sure a lot of others do as well. Um. But residents should not go to work in Mecklenburg County. They're telling you you should not go to work if it's a non-essential business, nor should you visit friends and family in Mecklenburg County, okay? Non-essential. This is the thing that gets me, too, is even though you have these sorts of orders, I mean, do, are we all aware of the six-foot rule by now? Who isn't aware of that? Well, I can tell you one person who's not aware of it. It was the guy at Ingalls yesterday who came, I'm looking at napkins, because we just needed napkins. We were just out of napkins. I'm not hoarding napkins. Although apparently a lot of other people were. I was kind of surprised there were napkins left. So there were there was like uh, one shelf of napkins. And so I'm looking through the different sizes. Because what I do is I look at, Ingalls has this great way, like on their labels on the shelves, they'll tell you the price per unit or price per ounce or something like that. And that's what I always compare. So yes, there's a price for the whole thing. But if you look at the price per unit, you can comparison shop right there on the shelves. And so 
I was looking at like because you know some of these things that get bigger uh, uh, packaging. Uh, and some of them are higher quality than others. And so there's all these different reasons why the prices are different all the, among all of the different products. And so I was look, I was comparison shopping. I was looking at all of the different uh, napkin packs. And some guy comes up and he's like, he stands right next to me. And he starts like handling the napkins. I'm kind of like, what, are you not aware of the six foot rule? You're like r- standing right next to me, reaching in front of my face with your coronavirusy grubby hands. I don't know. <laughs> well, I will say this. Thank you also. Ingalls is sanitizing all of the carts. When you walk in, they've got uh, uh, staff at the front, and they'll spray down your cart for you. So that's very nice. Mecklenburg County so far has got uh, about 150 cases, uh, and that's a 50% increase in 24 hours. Um, and so I went and looked at the Mecklenburg County order. And um, speaking of orders, by the way, if you are thinking about ordering a bed so you can uh, you know, do this self-isolation uh, from the comfort of your bed, I mean, because let's be honest, if you're going to watch, you know, 182 straight hours of Netflix, you probably need to be as comfortable as possible, which is why Mattress Man stores redid their whole website about a week or so ago, about two weeks ago, they redid their whole website to make it easier now. Uh, for people to shop the inventory that they have in stock at their stores, okay? So in Asheville, Arden, Hendersonville, Mattress Man has four locally owned and operated stores, but they do ship nationwide. And if you get the delivery, if you order the bed and get it delivered, it's free for local deliveries, and it is white glove delivery. It's five-star delivery service. Also, they have the 120-day comfort guarantee, so it ensures that you're going to love your mattress, okay? I mean, really... What do you have to lose except, of course, the 180-something hours of binge watching that's going to you know, take up all of the hours of your life? But um, I'm not judging you for that. I, I, I don't judge you for that. I just think you should have a really comfortable mattress if you're going to do it. Mattress Man stores, they sell the best mattresses. They really do. Christy and I, we've got a memory foam mattress, and uh, we love it. It's a king size. It's like sleeping on a marshmallow. And we got the delivery, and they, they set it up for us. It was fantastic. Experience the difference at Mattress Man. Go to their website, mattressmanstores.com, and click on the Shop Online button. It's in the uh, uh, upper right side. And uh, do it now, and you get the free local white glove delivery. But also, if you write in the discount code RESTWELL, all one word, RESTWELL, you get an additional 20% savings site-wide. So the discount code is RESTWELL for 20% off. That's a heck of a deal. Mattressmanstores.com. So I wanted to know what the Mecklenburg order looks like because if Buncombe County is going to be issuing one soon, as it seems like the uh, health officials are, I want to know what to expect. Okay? So I went through and read this, uh, I think it's 16 pages worth of Whereases and therefore be it resolved and such. And I have uh, distilled it down to its essence. Okay. Well, really, they wrote it in a way it makes it easier. There's like bullet points and headings, subheadings and such. So uh, you can read this, by the way, if you want to. I posted the link over at the Facebook group. But uh, here are the, here's the deal. If you consider yourself to be essential personnel, then you kind of are. 
right? Like, I'm not kidding. This the, the way this thing is written, it allows basically everybody to keep doing whatever they think they should do. This is really the difference between America and China, right? It, this really is. We, <laughs> we are not at the point where they're welding people into their apartments, right? So when China says quarantine, they like, right? They, they weld you into your apartment. When we say, oh my gosh, there's a pandemic. We want to stop the spread of this virus. When Americans say that, we're like, do us a favor and don't leave the house. But if you have a job that's essential, you can still leave. Because that's what they're saying. I don't advise this. If you can stay home, look, I've been staying home. I go out to get groceries. I'll go out and I'll like walk around in the parking lot uh, or uh, walk around on the street, which, by the way, you're allowed to do. You just have to, you just, you know, you got to do the six foot buffer zone. You got to do the social distancing. There's a term. There's a term that I never would have guessed <laughs> would become so widely used right of all of the <laughs> of all the terms that could have made it into our lexicon social distancing not one of them i would have ever considered non-essential business and operations must cease says the order okay non-essential businesses and operations businesses may continue operations consisting exclusively of employees or contractors performing activities at their own residences, i.e. working from home, okay? So um, everything except essential businesses and operations as defined below. Okay, well, now this is important. So what's the definition for an essential business? Okay. Um, Prohibited activities. All public and private gatherings of more than 10 people prohibited, except for the limited purposes permitted by the proclamation. Uh, All places of public amusement where people may gather, whether indoors or outdoors, including but not limited to locations with amusement rides, carnivals, amusement parks, water parks, aquariums, zoos, museums, arcades, fairs, children's play centers, playgrounds, recreation centers, funplexes, theme parks, bowling alleys, movies, uh, movie and other theaters, concert and music halls and country clubs or social clubs shall be closed to the public. Okay, those are prohibited activities. All right. Then they have restrictions on nursing homes, long-term care facilities, and assisted living facilities. This basically is like you can't visit anymore. You got to keep everybody socially distanced. No bingo parlor uh, events, that kind of stuff. Then uh, prohibited and permitted travel. All travel, including but not limited to travel by Automobile, motorcycle, scooter, train, plane, public transit, except for essential travel and essential activities as defined herein and otherwise defined in this proclamation, is prohibited. If you're going to ride on public transit, you got to comply with the social distancing requirements to the greatest extent feasible. This proclamation allows travel into or out of the county to maintain essential businesses and uh, and operations and minimum basic operations. Okay, so... Again, all of these things like you can't do this, you can't do that, no this, no that, except, of course, if you're essential. Okay. So what are essential? So leaving the home for essential activities is permitted, they say. And uh, you may leave, this is what they consider to be an essential activity for health and safety. Makes sense, right? If you got to go to the emergency room... Uh, you got to take the, the pet to the veterinarian. 
uh, emergency services, get medical supplies, that you, anything that you can't do virtually, you know, telemedicine, like we discussed yesterday, for health and safety, you can, you can leave the home. Uh, that's A. B, for necessary supplies and services. Okay, so groceries and food, household consumer products, supplies they need to work from home, products necessary to maintain the safety, sanitation, and essential operation of residences. Okay. C, for outdoor activity, to engage in outdoor activity, provided the individual complies with social distancing requirements. This is <laughs> such as <laughs> uh, walking, hiking, golfing, running, cycling, or using greenways. Individuals may go to public parks and open outdoor recreation areas. However, playgrounds are closed because if you're touching the playgrounds. So you can go to the big open spaces and you can run around and stuff. You just have to be six feet away from everybody. Um, what else is essential activity? Certain types of work, okay? Uh, and I'm going to get to these uh, in a bit. So certain types of work and also to take care of others. Elderly people and those who are vulnerable as a result of illness should take additional precautions. People who are at risk of severe illness from COVID-19, including elderly people and those who are sick or urged to stay in their residence to the extent possible, except as necessary to seek medical care. Okay, so... Uh, we already knew that as well. People need to continue to self-isolate. Healthcare and public health operations. Uh, for purposes of the proclamation, this covers uh, if you have, if you work in any of these uh, things like hospitals, clinics, anywhere where medical dental care uh, cannot be provided virtually. Organizations collecting blood, reproductive health care providers, mental health and substance use providers. Other healthcare facilities, just a general heading, entities that transport and dispose of medical materials as well as human remains. Okay, so those are essential. All right, essential infrastructure. This includes, but is not limited to, food production, distribution, and sale, construction, including but not limited to construction required in response to this emergency building management and maintenance, airport operations, operation and maintenance of utilities, including water, sewer, and gas, electrical, distribution centers, security system operation and maintenance, oil and biofuel refining, roads, highways, railroads, public transportation, ports, cybersecurity operations, flood control, solid waste and recycling collection and removal, internet, video, and telecommunications systems, Essential infrastructure shall be construed broadly to avoid any impacts to essential infrastructure. Broadly defined. <laughs> okay. Okay. So all of that is essential. Got it. Essential government functions. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah. So this is first responders, emergency management, emergency dispatchers, court personnel, law enforcement, corrections personnel, hazardous materials responders, Child protection and, and child welfare personnel, adult protection services, housing and shelter personnel, military and other governmental employees. Okay. Essential businesses and operations. Here are the businesses that are covered under the Mecklenburg Proclamation, which again, I'm reading because I assume the Buncombe one is going to follow 
pretty closely to this. Okay. Here we go. Essential businesses. Stores that sell groceries and medicine. You can stay open. So that covers a lot. Um, I'm not going to list all of the variations of this because there are a lot. Number two, food, beverage, and agriculture. Number three, organizations that provide charitable and social services. Number four, media. Number five, gas stations and businesses needed for transportation, like auto repair places, auto supply places, okay? Financial institutions. That includes payday lenders, pawnbrokers, aside from the banks and such. Hardware and supply stores. Critical trades like plumbers, electricians, exterminators, cleaning and janitorial staff, commercial and governmental property staff, security staff, operating engineers, HVAC, painting, moving and relocation services. Okay. Number nine, mail, post, shipping, logistics, delivery, and pickup services. Number 10, educational institutions. Number 11, laundry services, like laundromats. Number 12, restaurants for consumption off premises. 13, if you sell supplies to help people work from home, you're essential. Number 14, supplies for essential businesses and operations. So if you supply businesses, you're essential. Transportation, so airlines, taxis, uh, everything, uh, Uber, Lyft, all of it. Home-based care and services, residential facilities and shelters. So uh, for uh, for you know, like a assisted living. Number 18, provisional, uh, sorry, professional services. Professional services. And I read this one too because hmm, that could be pretty expansive. And it is. Legal services, accounting services, insurance services, real estate services, restricted to appraisal and title services. Number 19, child care centers. <laughs> 20, manufacture distribution and supply chain for critical products and industries. This includes pharmaceutical, technology, biotechnology, healthcare, chemicals and sanitation, waste pickup and disposal, agriculture, food and beverage, transportation, energy, steel and steel products, petroleum and fuel, mining, construction, national defense, communications, as well as products used by other essential businesses and operations. Number 21, hotels and motels, to the extent used for lodging and delivery or carry out food services. And finally... Number 22, funeral services. So all of these industries are considered to be essential. What's left? I mean, besides podcasters. <laughs> what, is, what is left? Do you, this is why people are, are frustrated in all of this. It, it's because on the one hand, we're being told by state officials, everything needs to shut down. Everybody needs to stay home. Don't do anything unless you're an essential business, which is basically everything. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, what else do we have? Oh, the Wake County Sheriff, Gerald Baker, never letting a crisis go to waste. This is one of the sanctuary sheriffs. This is one of the guys that refuses to work with ICE, and he just lets the uh, criminal... Uh, 
illegal aliens uh, go out of his jails rather than hand them over to ICE. Because ICE says, hey, that person that uh, you just uh, uh, booked into the jail and uh, maybe just finished their their sentence, that person is uh, uh, and is in the country illegally. We would very much like to be able to deport him because he's a criminal. Uh, can you hold on to him for uh, like 24, 48 hours until we can get some uh, some staff over there to go get him? And the sheriff says no. And Buncombe County has a sheriff that uh, does this. Mecklenburg County has a sheriff that does this. I think uh, there's another one. Maybe Cumberland County may do it. So here's Wake County Sheriff Gerald Baker. He said yesterday no pistol purchase permits or concealed carry permits can be requested through the end of April. He said, uh, but don't worry, all of this is going to end on April 31st. Do you see the problem with that? There is no April 31st. (laughs) He did clarify later saying April 30th. So uh, this is through the end of April and... Uh, the hiatus will give deputies a chance to catch up on the backlog of pending permits. Nearly 300 people a day have applied for permits so far this year, more than triple the number last year. Why do you think that is? Right, People are buying firearms. Why? Why do you think people want to go out and buy a gun? The Wake County Sheriff's Office already is quarantining in individual cells. Any new people that get booked into the detention center um, and they've halted serving civil papers and carrying out evictions in order to limit the spread of the virus as well. Well, I mean, that limiting evictions isn't really about limiting the spread of the virus, I would say. I think that's more uh, that's more because of, uh, you know, people are not able to... Uh, afford rent i mean we've now missed people have now missed their first paychecks um right because now like people got laid off and such but you know payroll is usually on a lag of at least a week sometimes two so the first week now you know these massive unemployment numbers uh people are now living without their paychecks and uh it's going to get even worse this friday and then it's going to get even worse the following friday uh and the more the, the longer this lasts the worse it gets. This is why Donald Trump was talking about at his press conference um, that the you know the economy was not the, our system, the economy and the free market was not made to be shut down. It, it, this can't last forever. We have to open back up at some point. And of course, everybody's like, "Oh my God, he wants old people to die." This is how the, this is how the left. It's so infuriating. This is how the left frames this is when he says, no, I want the economy to be back up and running again. Did he say that means everybody reopens all at once? No, everyone's going to have to make local decisions, just like we're making right now. Everybody has to make these local decisions for themselves. But the idea is that you are able to start opening the economy back up, open the markets back up after a certain period of time when uh, there's no longer the threat that the health system gets overwhelmed because we have as much as we could have, flattened the curve. That's what all of this has been about in North Carolina because we haven't seen the spike yet. And right now you got a lot of people running around saying there isn't going to be a spike. There isn't going to be these cases. This isn't going to be very bad. And look, you can take that position, but you're just predicting the future as well. You're no better than the speculators in the media that are saying it's going to be terrible. Like, I'm not telling you it's going to be terrible or not terrible. I don't know. I'm simply trying to give people the information 
um, and explain why they're uh, why the steps are being taken, uh, at least as what's being communicated by the elected leaders, right? The reasons behind their decisions. I don't understand what you have to gain by going out and saying, I predict this isn't going to be bad. I don't understand what the play is there. Is the play that you think that people are going to say, oh, you know what? He's right. It's not going to be that bad. I'm going to go ahead and go about my daily life. Is that the idea? That like one person can change the world, so to speak, and get everybody to stop self-isolating and get all the restaurants to open back up? And let's just say that that does happen. Let's say you can do that. Let's say one person is able to affect that kind of change. What if they're wrong? What if they're wrong? Right? Do you carry with you the burden of hundreds of deaths? Because that's what happens when a virus spreads this quickly and it takes out people that are old and have uh, immune systems that are compromised. And by the way, immune systems that are compromised or, uh, and or breathing issues, that also covers asthma. I saw today there was an article, some principal or teacher or somebody up in New York City just died. They were like 35 years old. That's what happens. That's part of that's part of the death toll here. So when everybody talks about, oh, it's just grandma and grandpa, oh, it's just the old people, it's not just. People tend to forget there are a lot of folks out there with immune systems that are compromised, people with, you know, MS or any other kind of, um, you know, affliction like that. It's just, it's going to, it's going to take its toll on those people, and they're not elderly. And they can be very young. Some people can be very, very young with uh, compromised immune systems. So I understand, like, we don't want to go and just say uh, quarantine everybody. I don't think that's the right way to go, quarantine everybody, because I think there is, I do believe in the herd immunity theory. I don't even know if it's a theory. I think the testing has now proven that to be the case. I do believe that that works, right, that you get enough people that have gotten it and then the immunity for the herd protects the most vulnerable. This is the whole concept behind vaccines, right? Enough people get the vaccination that polio can't spread as rapidly and, and, and as widely as it could have otherwise. That's what we're trying to do here. And so, yeah, we're probably going to get sick. I may have already gotten sick. Who knows? I may have had it. It already manifested itself somehow really mildly, and I didn't even know it, and I've already passed it on. That could very well be the case. I'm trying my hardest not to, uh, you know, not to leave the leave the premises here, but yeah, I have to go out and get groceries, and who knows? I could have picked it up there, or I could have given it there. I don't know. Um, but I don't understand the play. I don't understand what the gamble is, unless it's just people who just feel like, you know, they know the truth and they know the thing that is real and they they need to pronounce this to everybody so they can now you know take these words to heart and something like what so after after what not enough people die in north carolina and i don't know what that number would be but do you get to then say see i was right there were only you know there were only 200 people that died in north carolina haha i was right it wasn't that big of a deal the problem with that also is that you're never going to know whether the steps that have been taken actually made it not that big of a deal, right? Because we are taking these steps, going around and shouting from the mountaintops that everybody's overreacting to this. You have the the benefit, the insulation, 
of uh, not having to actually test your theory, right? It is, it, it, it's a pretty privileged perch to be sitting upon because the steps that have been taken can minimize this, right? And we may never have known how bad it could have gotten because of the steps that we did take. So, all right, back to the Wake County uh, Sheriff. Wake County temporarily suspending all pistol permits and concealed carry services until April 30th. A pair of Republican lawmakers immediately raised red flags over this. By the way, if you're looking for flags, you know who's got a whole bunch of flags is Tim over at Old Grouch's Military Surplus. It's true. Tons of flags. Other stuff, too. He's got all the maps. He's got maps from battles and such, like pretty cool maps if you served in a certain theater or uh war and you want maps from that war and you, you know may, he may have them and if he doesn't have them he can find them because that's what tim does at old grouches on main street downtown clyde it's an old school traditional military surplus store but it has a mix of modern and vintage items He's always interested, by the way, in your vintage and unique items as well. So let him know. You never know what you're going to find at Old Grouches. But you will find quality stuff. He, he's got new stuff in there, like, you know, military hats with all of the different branches of the armed services. Uh, he's got the real U.S. surplus stuff like uh, uh, magazine pouches, vests, gear, camo, T-shirts, dog tags, which, by the way, make great kids gifts. Um Everything is real surplus, and so it's U.S. made, and that means durability, okay? So even if it's been used, it's still got way more life left in it than some of the cheap China-made stuff, you know, that you see that gets sold as, quote, military surplus, and it's not, all right? So go check out oldgrouch.com, oldgrouch.com. He'll ship directly to you, oldgrouch.com. Com, old school traditional military surplus oldgrouch.com um wake county sheriff gerald baker announced march 24th so that was tuesday that law officials are suspending pistol purchase permits and concealed carry services until april 30th to help stop the spread of the coronavirus within the government building and to give the sheriff's office time to process a growing pile of applications. This is by John Trump at the Carolina Journal, carolinajournal.com. He says, Baker said that he is not telling people that they can no longer get permits. What we're doing is trying to stay in line with efforts to keep this virus out of this building, he said. The office has seen a 250% increase in applications over the last week. And um, John Goose who is the director of legal studies at the John Locke Foundation, says that the sheriff is in a tough but legally precarious spot. He says, look, I understand the sheriff is worried about his staff having to interact face-to-face and in many cases fingerprint hundreds of applicants, any one of whom could be carrying the COVID-19 virus, right? that's one of the requirements you have to get your fingerprints taken and in order to do that even if you got a fancy machine that does it digitally you they you still have to put your fingers on the screens and that means that the people who the sheriff's office personnel they got to come up there and they have to 
run the machine and it's like I I had mine done down in Mecklenburg years ago and they had uh they had a digital machine and you like you stand there and they come up and like hold your hand and put it on the machine, put it in the right spot and then they press the buttons and stuff, but you're right next to each other. Right? So if you're trying to stop the spread of a highly contagious disease, this is not an this is not an ideal situation, let's just say. But the law requires that the sheriff take these applications and turn them around within 14 days. Um, so John Goose, director of legal studies at the John Locke Foundation, says concealed carry permits for sure uh, and ordinary purchase permits too require the purchaser to appear at the sheriff's office. It is not unreasonable to want to avoid dealing face-to-face with hundreds of applicants right now. Nevertheless, as far as I can tell, the law is pretty clear. He has to issue the permits within the prescribed time. The law says it. Now, you could maybe, I don't know, change the uh, the processing line or something. Like, you need to you need to figure out a way to do this. This is the thing that kind of ticks me off about what the sheriff decided to do. And maybe if he wasn't a sanctuary sheriff, I'd have a little bit more benefit of the doubt to extend to the man. But he is, so I don't. <laughs> so uh, maybe you could have just thought through a different mechanism, a different process. Like, when you start seeing all of these people coming in, because... Well, let's examine that. Why are all of these people coming in? Why do they want a pistol purchase permit? What's up with that? They're afraid. They're afraid. They realize now they're not prepared. What are they not prepared for? Civilizational collapse. Societal collapse. That's what people are afraid of. This is what everybody is afraid of. This is why people are buying toilet paper and uh, stocking up on, you know, hoarding all of these supplies and stuff. People are afraid of societal collapse. Because deep down, even though we don't like to acknowledge it, deep down, everybody kind of realizes we are really, really close. Always. Just throughout history, this this, this is not specific to us. Just the human race... Just life on this planet can be snatched away like that, and everything can change. Now, that doesn't mean it doesn't get better at some point and bounce back. And that, but this is how how fine of a line it is. Cops know this, by the way. <laughs> Cops know this <laughs> probably more so than most others. Uh, members of the military recognize this as well. Preppers. It's why they prep. And chances are, if you are doing some sort of prepping and have been, uh, you've had some sort of a brush or a view of how bad it could be, whether it was a documentary or a movie or a book or personal experience, something affected you and brought it home for you and made you realize that, uh, wow, we really, as a species, like we kind of pretend that we're not this close to just the wheels falling off of our civilization at any given moment, but it does happen. It can happen. Happens all the time throughout history. Everything is fine until it's not. And that's what people are afraid about. People are afraid that if the wheels fall off, they're going to have no way to protect themselves and their family. And so what does the sheriff do? He shuts it all down. Rather than try to find a way to help people 
become lawful gun owners. Because, by the way, the people that are going through the trouble to show up at your sheriff's office and go through that process, those are the last ones you need to worry about. They're the ones who are doing it the legal, correct way. Right? If you want to just go out and buy a gun and you don't care about the law, chances are you already have a gun. (laughs) You've already found a way to do it. Because you don't care about the laws. The only people showing up there are the ones who care about the laws. They're the last ones you need to worry about. This is one of the things that the gun grabbers never appreciate. They can never wrap their minds around this part. The ones who follow the laws are the ones you don't need to worry about, generally speaking. The concealed carry permit population in America accounts for like 0% of all crimes. They don't want to lose their permits. (laughs) They want to keep their concealed carry permits. So instead of this sheriff saying, hey, you know what, maybe we should do something like, uh, I don't know, make a a whole line area and space out, put X's on the floor with, you know, blue painter's tape. We could do something like that, put X's on the floor and um, and then keep people spaced out and have them go around in this hallway or line them up down the street or something. And then maybe we do something else with like, we'll put up some sort of a barrier for the fingerprinting. But no, no, no. This guy turns around and says... No more permits for two months. Yeah, I'm sure it just so happens to coincidentally track with his personal beliefs on firearm ownership. I would just venture a guess on that one. Um, All right, that's it for today. If you like the show and what we're doing here, head on over to the Pete Callender page, thepetecallendershow.com. We also have set up the marketplace now. So if you have a business you want to advertise to get in front of our audience, thepetecallendershow.com. Thank you for your support. Talk to you later. Please, people, again, don't break anything while I'm gone.